Hey, Bears fans. Welcome to another episode of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two jamokes who quantify and philosophize a game where men have tight pants and big helmets. So you don't have to. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks again for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. And we are one week closer to the season. Woohoo! Uh, we're getting a few more of these days where the weather's feeling a bit like the fall and we're a couple uh, days away from college football starting and I'm going to spend all day Saturday sitting on my buddy's couch and watching 12 hours of terrible college football. But <laughs> all that's to say we're getting ever closer to September the 11th where the Bears will kick off week one against the 49ers. And I'll say, I mean, we're through two of the fake football games and vibes are pretty good. Again, <laughs> Michigan versus East Texas Christian University. <laughs> oh, the first game that kicks off is Western Kentucky and Austin P. And <laughs> there we go. I'll be I'll be watching every second of that. Th- that's a blockbuster right there. Yeah, it should be a barn burner, but it might be a little bit more entertaining than Bears Forty Nine. I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll find out. But yeah, I mean, so far through two games of the preseason, people seem pretty positive about the Bears, and I think uh, there's every right to. Um, so. Uh, quickly, uh, you brought up Bears Niners. Um, so I read that it is one of the games of the week uh, as far as quarterback battles go because it does have a certain amount of interest with Trey Lance versus Justin Fields. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Trey Lance is in a better situation than the, uh, than Justin Fields is. Um, but I I think that I, for one, believe that uh, Trey Lance is going to have some uh, he's going to have a steep learning curve. He's going to have uh, some. He, he's going to have a, some adjustment, some pretty big adjustment uh, coming into the NFL, just because he's played so little over the last few years. So yeah, it's going to be his first game as an NFL starter for sixty minutes. He played a few snaps here and there last year, but it was. I think Garoppolo for all 17 games. Maybe he did get a game where he started, but... I think he had one. Okay, it might have been a COVID thing or maybe an injury, but this is the first time where he's walking into the NFL season as the guy, and like you said, he played at North Dakota State. He sat out his final year of college, which was the COVID year. Last year, he was primarily the backup, so it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts, how he comes out in that first game against Soldier Field, and it's one of those spots where Bears have a defensive head coach. The defense is probably the stronger of the Bears' two units. Not that that's saying much, but the defense probably is a little bit better than the offense, and you wonder, does Eberflus have any tricks up his sleeve for the rookie quarterback starting his first game on the road? Soldier Field is a stadium where it'll be loud, it'll be sold out, Bears fans will be excited after drinking all morning at McCormick Place. (laughs) And we'll see. I mean, it's possible he comes out and is awesome, but it's also possible that he comes out and struggles a little bit. And I hadn't really thought about it from the perspective of Fields versus Lance being one of the more interesting quarterback matchups in week one, but... I could see that argument just scrolling through some of these noon games. Yeah. And Bears, 49ers, those are two of the bigger markets. Obviously, the 49ers are projected to be really good, and a lot of people think the Bears are going to be really bad. But it's a week one spot. Anything can happen week one, especially with Eberflus and Getze. Nobody really knows what they're going to scheme up. 
we've obviously seen the offense look okay in the preseason, but they're not running the same game plan that they'll be running week one. No. They're not trying to put anything on tape that'll give away what their strategy will be. So a lot of people think that the 49ers are going to come in and just roll the Bears, and they certainly could. I think that the 49ers have a really strong defense. Their front seven is maybe one of the best in Very, very good. So that's going to be a really big challenge for a Bears offensive line that many think is the worst in the NFL. So it's a tough opening matchup for the Bears, but, you know, anything can happen when you've got a rookie quarterback, well, basically two rookie quarterbacks. Right. Both of them were drafted two years ago, but Lance didn't play, and Fields had the naggy year. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Obviously, we've got a lot more time to break down that game. It's still a couple of weeks away. Any big reactions from the game against the Seahawks? You know, I, I thought that um, overall I felt positive about the whole game. Um, I think that they did some really good things. Uh, you you got to love um, them coming out and driving down. and Well, they only got a field goal out of it, but still uh, a positive first drive. That's something I've always looked for with Bears football. A positive first drive. It's so disheartening when they come out there and they and they start off with a three and out. It, it just, uh-huh. it, I mean, if you can't even generate one first down, it just to me, it it's like stepping in some scab <laughs> to start many, the game. How many times have we seen that over the last ten years? Way <laughs> too many, right? It's, especially when you take into account the first. Ten plays are typically scripted. Right. They practice those all week and say these are the plays that we're starting the game with. Yes. Obviously, you can't do that for the first for the entire game, but for the first few plays, you can. And going back to Lance, that's one of the things that worries me a little bit with Shanahan. Yeah. Just because Shanahan's a really good coach, and you kind of wonder if that's going to be a situation where it's like pass, pass. Run pass touchdown. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's one of those old Aaron, one of those old Aaron Rodgers drives against the Bears where they go like eighty yards over the span of four plays, and it's capped with a touchdown from Jordy Nelson where nobody's standing within forty five yards of him. My mind is saying that's not going to happen. I hope so too. I <laughs> I think that. The Bears hopefully will have a little bit more resistance than that. That would really be demoralizing if they just get the ball and march down the field right away. But you know, well, that could happen. Oh, it's, oh it certainly could. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. Again, overall, uh, I think that the game went well. I did say that uh, Velas Jones was going to bust out a long one, and he did. He, and he did. Um, I, I think we're going to see more of that to come. Um, it would be interesting to know what his over under is on all purpose touchdowns because um, I, like I, I think uh, I think we'll see some of that. Um, you know, uh, it, it would be nice to see our receiving core all out there. Um, so I, that's something I'll be looking for against Cleveland. Uh, you know, Eberflus has come out and said that uh, starters are going to be out there for a half. Um, we we need we need to see where the receiving core is with everybody actually playing. So you know we don't have Harry. Um, I suppose I should have just started right at the top. Mooney, of course, is number one, uncontested. He has the best. Uh, he and Komet have the best chemistry with 
um, with Fields, and that's probably going to be his first and second looks. Uh, but that third spot, we obviously need somebody. Pringle is supposed to be in that spot. That's why they went and got him. Um, it's nice to hear a little bit about uh, ESB, that maybe he uh, could be in, a, in the mix for some of that. Um, and uh, uh, it was kind of cool to see that Tajay Sharp it was making a little bit of noise yeah, he's there. making an impact. He seems like he's earned himself a roster spot, if nothing else. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And I think Jones is an interesting one. I was just looking to see if I could find uh, all any time touchdown over under on him, and I didn't see one right away. It's possible I missed it. I was just scrolling quick. But I think that's definitely a player that looks like he could – he, it looks like he could just be a really exciting part of the offense. Yeah. Like, he falls in the category to me that they're not going to show you in the preseason how they plan to get him the ball on offense. Right. He was really only returning punts against Seattle, I think. I don't remember seeing him getting a ton of uh, snaps on offense. If he was out there, I don't think he had any targets. But that's definitely a player that come week one, they're definitely going to try and be creative and get the ball in his hands. They're just not going to show you any of that in the preseason. A la Tariq Cohen. And there's no reason to, right? And yeah. It, like you said, Pringle, it sounds like the last update I heard, they were still hopeful he'd be back week one. St. Brown, I put in the same category as Jones a little bit. That's another really fast guy that I think they'll have some tricks up their sleeve in terms of getting him the ball, but they're not going to show you any of that in the preseason. And Tajay Sharp, it definitely is nice to have a receiver in camp actually coming in and outperforming his expectations a little bit. I don't really think that anybody had Tajay Sharp on their list of receivers they were excited about seeing, but he's played well in the preseason. He's made some really nice catches, and I think he's earned a spot at the expense, unfortunately, of Daz Newsom, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds well, like- I didn't realize, so I was just reading about him today, about him being cut, and I didn't realize, I knew he muffed one punt. He actually muffed one in both games. Yeah, that's not good, and he didn't really show up on offense either. I know yeah. I know he had a touchdown in the first game against yep. like the fourth stringers, but he was out there a lot more than that and not really making an impact. And I'll tell you, if you, if you can't make this receiving group like he couldn't even make the first round of cuts (laughs) yeah that's not good it was kind of funny I I I can't remember for the life of me who tweeted this out but it was one it was a former NFL player and he's like what's the point of making them cut from 85 to 80 before the third game it's like yeah you five guys really (laughs) didn't make it (laughs) like you think the Deans would prefer more bodies and not (laughs) not less for that last preseason game but you really didn't make yeah like you weren't even close and if you're let me let me tell you if, if you're not really close on this bears team then your career is probably yeah. over yeah so we'll see what dad's new hello xfl and uh, he, he, had, he had one of the more entertaining introductory press conferences that i can remember when he was asking all the beat reporters what their favorite restaurant in chicago was and <laughs> unfortunately it seems like that'll be the the highlight of his bears career Seems like a nice kid. Uh, ho- I, I think he, he was injured last year, right? Yeah. A little bit, and then Nagy kept him on the practice squad. So hopefully he gets an opportunity somewhere else because he did seem like a fun personality and a nice enough guy. But He got uh, out there uh, maybe one game. Uh, I think I think it was the Vikings game, actually. The last game of the season. Yeah, so 
But uh, yeah, he's uh, it's also a, also a pace wide receiver, which you know we know. Yeah. We know we know what the track record is there. So. Yeah, somebody tweeted out uh, his list of receivers, and it was interesting. Um, There's a couple of good ones on there, but some really bad well, ones. really only Darnell Mooney is <laughs> really the only one that that's good. Uh, it was interesting though how many people uh, were commenting on just the injury aspect of Kevin Smith because. I didn't like that pick at all <laughs> from the get-go. Kevin White? I mean, Kevin White. Pardon me, Kevin White. Now, Kevin Smith, the director. <laughs> uh, but I didn't like that pick when he first made it. Um, I thought it was a waste of a pick uh, that high on a player that had done absolutely zero up until one year. And then he had one great year. And that was it. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, uh, now... Obviously, you can't predict injuries, but how does somebody get injured that much? Is Kevin White's still on a roster. I know he was playing, like, last year still, which is insane, yeah. but... If you want to call it that. Yeah, I, last... I think I think using the word playing is, is pretty loosely. Hey, but... he started one game for the Saints last year. Got a, <laughs> got a, he's, he played in six, got a grand total of five targets. One catch, 38 yards, though. That's pretty good. One catch. Yeah. All right. What's the what's the catch percentage of uh, one divided by five? <laughs> <laughs> you know the thing is, is that if he the fact that he played any games, he's a vested uh, vested veteran, which means he got paid. I wonder how much he got paid for that one catch. <laughs> Not much, I can't imagine. I mean, oh, at least five hundred thousand. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's pretty good. Oh yeah. I mean. Not no. much, not much by NFLs. I mean, yeah, it's just fine. Like he's, he, he has played. I mean, I bet he, I bet he got more like about eight hundred. If you had to guess how many games he played for the Bears, what would you guess? Thirty. Oh, Fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna guess like I was gonna guess like six. Like, I, I have no idea where my head was when I said 30, because now thinking about it, that's a silly answer. Yeah, I was going to guess, like, I mean, but I guess now that I remember, he was on the 2018 team, right? Yeah. He just didn't do anything? Yeah. All right, well. One of the many years that he didn't do anything. Great trip down. But anyway, great you know, they were, memory lane. The, the thing is, is that, you know, I just couldn't believe how many people were on there saying, you know, using the injury part of it as, well, you know, I think we can kind of excuse this because of the injury. It's like, no. You know, I looked up the guy before we, after we drafted him, I looked him up, and he didn't do squat. He had one good year at West Virginia. That was it. Apparently the Saints placed Kevin White on IR yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Man, do you know how much money he must have made while he was on IR? It's like crazy. Hopefully it's not like a bad injury, but I don't want to make but, fun of a guy for being hurt. No, but. of course not. But uh, yeah, but we'll make fun of him a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, making, that, making fun of Ryan Pace. That I'm list is is awful. Yeah. I mean, it really is. The the only person on there that is any good is Darnell Mooney. You know, and then of course, probably the worst one on there, at least in my opinion, is um, uh, Anthony uh, Miller. Anthony Miller. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause they traded up to get him and you know, it was interesting, uh, uh, more than a few comments on there about, um, Oh, real, I really liked Anthony Miller, you know, when we went and got him, I admit it, I did too. And he had a good rookie year. I thought he was going to be a solid possession receiver 
that that relief valve that Mitch Trubisky needed underneath. Wow, was he a total bust? Yeah, I mean he had he had a good rookie year too. I think he caught like six touchdowns or something. Yeah, but after that, it was just uh, it was just like straight downhill off was, a cliff. It was just a just constant series of mistakes. It was a lot of drops, a lot of stupid penalties, a lot of just in general undisciplined play and. It hasn't worked out in plenty of other places. I think he's been on like four different teams too, and I think he's in. He might be in the Steelers still, but yeah, I mean, we don't need to go back through any more Ryan Pace bad receivers. But <laughs> the, the point being, I mean, it it stinks that another Pace draft pick from last year is gone already. But Daz Newsom never really showed me much of anything. Well, and then you look at the uh, when you look at the rest of uh, Pace's pass catchers all, all of his tight ends they were all terrible too <laughs> you know what's insane like i think with newsom gone what was the stat there's 29 players left from ryan pace yeah it's a it, i think that's the right like number. if you if you had told me like how long would you think it would take for that level of roster turnover to take place after a guy gets fired i'd say like at least like two seasons yeah like he's been he was the Bears GM like eight months ago. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, just Ryan Poles has just come in here and just He's, cleaned house, and rightfully so because that team was terrible. But. It, it, you know, and that's that's one of the things. You know, the Poles came under so much criticism for doing that, but it was like, have you really looked at the guys he got rid of? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like that. He got rid of an all star team here. You know? Yeah, I mean, the only, I mean, he got, I mean, he he traded Mac, which. We'll see how that turns out. Mac might have a really good year, but, you know. Mac has gone to a good spot. Yeah, it's a perfect spot for him. It's a team that... And we got something for him. It's a te- yeah, it's a team that's trying to win the Super Bowl this year. Robinson wasn't coming back. I think he's going to have a really nice year. But yeah, I, I think he is, too. That that bridge was burned, so... Yeah. Other than that... And I mean, it wasn't burned by poles. No. It was, it was a fault on both sides there, and I think the rest of... You know, the rest of the roster cast-offs that have happened are, you know, I'm, I'm pretty indifferent on all of them, to be honest with you. We could have had Eddie Goldman. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I guess, I, I mean, the one guy I don't want to, I don't want to lump him in here because I actually really do like him is Bilal Nichols, but mm-hmm. it didn't make sense for the Bears to get him the contract that uh, the Raiders gave him. So all right. that one made perfect sense, even though I think he's a really good player. I do think he's a good player, I might too. be forgetting a couple, but, you know. And he was a fifth-round pick, and he made good. I, yeah, I liked him. I liked him since they drafted him. Yeah. He was a player that I went and looked up, you know, out of Delaware. Went and looked him up, and I was like, wow, this guy is actually going to be probably pretty good. You know, And he but, was. And he was, right. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, the overall, I think the, the Seahawks game was good. Um, I didn't really watch the fourth quarter of it, but... Uh, I didn't watch the Peter Man? No, oh my God. I, it's, when it gets to that point, it's just like, who's any of these guys? I was expecting you know? a full game of the Peter Man against the Browns, but to your point, it sounds like Eberflus wants the starters to play a full half. What are your thoughts on that one? Well, you know, um, he's he's treating it the way, um, uh, the way they used to treat week three in the preseason. And apparently... Everybody else is too. Um, that's the way everybody's looking at it. As this is the dress rehearsal game, the fact that they don't have the the fourth game, which is your, you know, uh, they put you out there. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, that it sounds like that's kind of tossed to the wayside, right? Um, you know, and the thing is, is that that game, um, nobody ever watched it. It was always just like 
to me, it was a total pain because it was just like one extra week until you got the regular season. Like nobody wanted to be there. Like, yeah, it was, a, you know, and you, you get those guys, the guys that um, make up that group of people, I respect the hell out of those guys because they really want to play, they really want a shot, but you get to see plenty of them through training camp, through the three preseason games, so it's not like they don't get the real opportunity. Oh, God, it was just always Bears and Browns on that fourth preseason game, and the Browns for that period of time were always just horrible. And, and the Bears had their fair share, too. Yeah, no kidding, and you, you just see guys running around out there that... I, I always just felt bad because it's like you got guys out there just like taking hits for no money that were <laughs> guaranteed to be cut. Like there's always like some like poor six string running back that would get like 80 carries and just get his brains beat in. And then the next day it's like, okay, you're cut by. Right. It's like there's your 10,000 bucks. Go have fun. But, you know, I, I agree. Having that fourth game gone and nobody's going to miss it. Uh, the third game, it's interesting because now. It's not like they moved the season up a week. So you have the third game, and then you have two weeks off. Yep. Normally, you'd have the fourth game, and you'd have then one week off. So I think that's why you're seeing more coaches playing their guys in week three um, this year. And I don't really feel too strongly about it either way. I guess, you know, in a perfect world, I'd be fine if no meaningful players ever played in the preseason. But. If the coaches feel like they should be out there and the players themselves feel like maybe they want to be out there to get one last, uh, like you said, dress rehearsal going into the season, then more power to them. And, you know, I understand, obviously, there's the injury risk, and that's the thing that I, but they're, they're football players. You know, it's like they could just as easily get hurt the first play of week right. one. And obviously, I understand the more hits you're taking, the more potential there is to get hurt, but it's their job, and freak injuries happen all the time in the NFL. I don't really think playing a few extra snaps in the preseason moved the needle that much from, like, obviously, like, you know, if if Fields gets hurt, like, that's obviously awful, but he could get hurt week one, too. Right. I, I actually believe in the preseason games. Um, it Just in the fact that uh, I do think it's good practice for them before it's like a dress rehearsal right before the actual performance i think it gives them a chance because for the most part i think that the players on both teams don't really hit each other as absolutely hard as they can especially not the starters right um you know and that's why you know when you see a bush league shit like uh we saw in week one with the with the chiefs um, I mean, there was a. It wasn't just that jackass, but there was there was a couple of plays like that throughout the league. That and it's like that stuff is so unnecessary, right. you know. Um, but uh, but that's that's the um, that's the exception. It's not the rule. I, I think it's good that the players get out there. They do get to mix it up some. They do kind of get a feel of uh, you know the defense running, the offense running, even if it's vanilla. Right, you know, you can get some timing going. I think overall it's good. Also, it, maybe it's just my opinion, but I've always fe- kind of felt like if you don't play at all during the preseason, somehow you're more inclined to get injured. And I, I think that's a that's I don't know where the numbers would actually support that. Maybe it's just superstition, but it always seems to happen that way. But coaches believe it too, and. There are coaches that don't care at all about the preseason. There are coaches that 
take the more old school route. I don't know that necessarily that one is necessarily right or wrong. I don't think so either. I, I think that if you have like a really good team that it has Super Bowl aspirations, it might make a little bit more sense to rest your guys. But if you're a team like the Bears that's going to be scrapping and clawing and trying to get your way to eight, nine wins to maybe sneak into a playoff berth, and especially on a team like this where there's really still not a ton of roster spots that are set in stone, there's still a lot of guys that are competing to see who's going to be starting at 10 different positions on this team right now. Right. So I think it makes sense to get guys out there. Like, I, I don't think Mooney needs to play. If he's not out there, I won't be mad. Um, Robert Quinn, like I'm sure Roquan, who we should get to, but I don't think any of those guys will really be out there very much. But for the guys that aren't established veterans that for the most part are still trying to work their way into a starting spot on this roster, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to – I don't think you need to wrap these guys in bubble wrap. Right, I think I think they can go out there and and play a quarter or a quarter and a half, and I think for the most part, other than like the freak accident that happens once every few years in the preseason, they'll be fine. Yeah, and so uh, you know we did take a ding though, um, you know Jaquan Brisker uh, getting uh, his thumb broken. Uh, it, you mentioned uh, earlier in the week to me, you know, that, that, that does, that sucks. Did that happen in the game? Yeah, I thought it did. Okay. Yeah, it sense. happened in the, it happened in the Seahawks game and he didn't even like, he was like, oh, I hurt my hand a little bit. No big deal. And apparently he didn't really notice it until the next morning. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm assuming his hand was, you know, like probably twice the size it normally is, and he looked at it and was like, "Oh, that's not right." So, but um, uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to be out too long from it. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, so far we've, you know, the the team has been, you know, pretty much okay uh, as far as that, as far as that, uh, the injuries go. Yeah. I... Uh, but you know, it, it's 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 a part of football. We know it's coming. We know we know we can't do anything about it. We know the players can't do anything about it. Um, so we'll, you know we'll just have to see, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, there's a couple of guys that have gotten hurt that I I think the Bears have said across the board are hopefully going to be back week one. Obviously Lucas Patrick and Pringle on offense, and now Brisker on defense. Brisker is obviously the most important one by far, right? Because rookie and potential to be a real difference maker in the secondary we'll see I, I think it's more than likely that the bears lose their first couple games anyway no matter who's out there so i wouldn't i'm not going to be too upset if they're not out there week one but the hope is that especially brisker is back by week two week three so he can right. get almost a full season of games under his belt this rookie year especially because he is kind of a plug-and-play guy that I think has the potential to be a pretty good safety just even as a rookie. And, you know, they've got some backups like Crookshank, I think, is the backup yep. behind him. And he's he's a fine player. He came from Tennessee. He's got some starting experience. Yep. He's fine. So I, I don't really think that's anything to – I don't think the brisker injury is anything to stress Houston about. Houston Carson will probably yeah. get some play in there too. Yeah, it's like I don't think it's anything to, to stress about too terribly. I think he'll be back if it's not weak. No, but we want to see him out there. Oh, I know, for <laughs> sure. I mean, there's not not a lot to be excited about in terms of the players that are on the field. Although, actually, Kyler Gordon graded out really nicely he in did. that Seattle game. He was around the ball a lot. So, 
you know, good early returns on both those picks. Even yeah, and I mean, um, obviously, we want to see Brisker, right? And you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm of the opinion, uh, if he, if if he has to miss an extra game to to make sure that he's good to go, yeah, I'm the same as you, that's fine. Yeah, nobody's gonna. This isn't a team that is projected to do much of anything. So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think missing a game or two against the 49ers and the Packers that are probably going to be losses anyway is really going to move the needle too much in the long run in terms of his development right I, I would like to see Patrick back just because the line is thin and I'd rather have Patrick out there as your starting center than Sam Mustafer but yeah same sort of thing I mean as long as he's back early on even if it's not necessarily week one then you know life will go on so perfect segue Talk about Tevin Jenkins. <laughs> well, uh, so, I mean, I guess he started at guard in the Seahawks game. Yep. I thought played pretty well. Yep. By all accounts, people around the league thought he played pretty well. Like, not spectacular. But, Tom Thayer. Yeah, but for his first game at, at guard, potentially ever, wasn't terrible, especially when you consider he hasn't been practicing a ton in the preseason. Right. And so... Coming out of the game, I think the consensus among Bears fans was, all right, that's going to be our starting right guard, at least starting the year. We'll see how it goes. But then as the week has gone on, Schefter comes out and says that the Bears are still trying to trade him. So yeah. maybe he won't be the starting guard. Yeah, so. I, 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 now... Uh, I didn't. I didn't get to read that firsthand. I wasn't able to find. It that, was. He but. didn't. He didn't tweet it. He said it on a podcast. I think. Ah, uh, okay. I can't That's remember right. which podcast it was, but. It was for sure said by Schefter, so... Well, that's... To me, that's the guy. Yeah, I mean, Schefter, Rappaport, I mean... Yeah. Those are the two... Yeah. Guys, those are the two newsbreakers in the NFL, so... Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm actually... Uh, I, I'm hoping that's not the case, because I would like to see them make use of Jenkins, and, um, you know, Tom Thayer, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan, uh, you know, came out point blank and said he did pretty well uh, in... He should know. Uh, <laughs> you know, he knows that he knows that position pretty good. Um, but it was nice to see the same group. I was watching. Uh, I went back and watched uh, the line quite a bit uh, from the Seahawks game while they were out there. Um, I really liked what I saw out of Braxton Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to get myself too excited because this is just preseason. Um, you know he's gonna he's gonna be facing some deadly dudes, yeah. right? So uh, you know we, we, we can't get to we, we can't get the uh, you know the the egg before the chicken, right? Yeah, if you're if you're, <laughs> if you're San Francisco, you're lining up Nick Bosa right across from him every play and just saying, "Here you go, kid," and maybe even another outside linebacker, and just have two guys lined up right over Braxton Jones and. This isn't Utah State anymore. <laughs> right, so, right. It's not even Utah State. It's Southern Utah, right? So, Southern Southern Utah. Um, you know, I, I agree, though. He's looked good. His and we got to see some chipping. Uh, I mean, that's um, there was one play that they had uh, Herbert out there, and he got absolutely just spun around like he didn't know where he was. Yeah, that's not what you want. Is Herbert injured, by the way? I, I saw he got carted off of practice, and I honestly completely forgot to follow up Oh, I did not see that. It was earlier in this week. Um, 
Wow, he got carded. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's back at practice. Oh, okay. That's like a weird thing. Apparently, like, apparently, like the Bears' practice facility is like super far away from the medical facility. So, like, anytime a player gets hurt, they have to cart him oh, off. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, like, I, I wish that people that were tweeting out would do a better job of different. Like, <laughs> did he actually get carted off the field, or did he like not want to walk? Who who was that right at the beginning of training camp? Patrick. Oh, is yeah. He got was car- Patrick. Like everybody's tweeting out, like he got carted off. He got carted off, and then it turns out he hurt his thumb. Yeah, like it's like he just it's, <laughs> his knee is gone. Yeah, so it's like you know whatever. But um, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so we were still talking about the Seahawks game. Yeah. I was just saying that Braxton Jones I thought looked very good. Yeah. Um, I thought that the left-hand side of the line looked very good. I felt like the right-hand side was a little weak. Um, I did also, you know, mention running backs. Tristan Ebner, uh, he is making good. He's got some moves. He does. Um, and he has a really different style uh, than um, uh, Montgomery. So I think he's going to get in the mix maybe more than we think he is, you know. Uh, he also has that ability, because of how well he catches the ball out of the backfield, to kind of be a gadget guy a little bit like uh, Jones. So uh, I think that will be interesting to see how he works it. Yeah, and trust me, I do not want to compare the Bears' skill position players to the Chiefs, right? Like, no. Two different worlds. But think about the last five years of watching the Chiefs. It seems like every game there's another just small, fast guy that just catches the ball and all of a sudden he's making guys miss. Yeah. Like they just have a ton of those guys that can get the ball in space and make things happen. And I think the bears have really tried to find players with that upside potential. I think that's why they drafted Jones. I think that's why they drafted Ebner. I think that that is what they potentially see out of St. Brown. Like they're obviously not all there. Like Mooney's not really that guy. He's a really good receiver, but he's not, like Tyreek Hill fast, right? No, but, but he is fast. He is fast, but like, so I, I think that as you see these players like Ebner that maybe weren't super high draft picks or not elite NFL prospects, but they're really fast and they look like they can make some things happen when they have the ball in their hands. I mean, if you kind of model yourself after the Chiefs, you can't really have too many of those guys. I mean, think about the Chiefs. It's like, for obviously you have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, like two Hall of Famers. But over the past few years, they had Pringle, they had uh, Robinson, they had Mecole Hardman, they have... I guess, uh, by the way, Mecole Hardman, um, a lot of people saying he might have a ginormous year. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, Hill's gone. In in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I mean, Hill's gone. Right. You know, they're they're players to watch, and I, I think Ebner... When he was drafted, the scouting report on him was not the best running back in terms of handing the ball off and hitting the hole, but can really make some plays out of the backfield and also can be a contributor on special teams. So that's a pretty solid late-round pick. That's a guy with some upside that I think has shown flashes in the preseason and I think will be a part of this offense. (laughs) I I, want to go back to Jenkins a little bit. I never got to finish – like. What are you really getting for him? I mean, like... Yeah, see, that's the thing, you know? is I don't think you're getting much at all. And, and, and you know, um, obviously we want to talk a little bit about Roquan, but yeah. that's the word uh, out about Roquan, is that we were not getting offers that were very good at all. Uh, the way I understand it 
is uh, they were not getting very good offers uh, in the second round, uh, let alone a first-round pick, and that teams were like, um, you want us to pay him $100 million too? Yeah, we're not doing that. Well, that's the problem. If, if, if the Bears were just trying to trade him and you take the contract stuff out of it, you, you probably do get a second-round pick, maybe a first. I'm skeptical on that. But if a team has to say he wants to be the highest-paid linebacker and get a contract that we don't think he's worth or he's not going to play, we're not trading you a first-round pick to have to deal with that. Right. So, it makes perfect sense because anybody that would have called Ryan Poles about trading for Roquan would have said, hey, what is this guy asking for in contract negotiations? And Poles would have told them, and they would have said, all right, well, we're out. We're not, we're not doing that either. So um, uh, DBB, uh, DeBear's blog, um, the way I, uh, what I saw was he said that they were offering him like upwards of about 195 and he was he was looking beyond twenty two to twenty three. Wow! So he wasn't just looking to be the top paid linebacker; he was looking to actually completely reset the market. I, I, you know, I was thinking about this because when you look at the Rams, it's hard to wonder why we all don't have this kind of infinite bank that they seem to have right but at the same time i i i look at it as just a fan and i'm like he's not the best why i mean i don't understand you know people it's like the only excuse i keep seeing out there is well you know he he's the next guy so he resets the market why you know he's not he's not as good as darius leonard so I mean, he's really not close in terms of impact on a game. I mean, Roquan's a really good player, and I, at the start of this, kind of expected him to get the biggest contract. Obviously, that's not going to happen right now, but um, I, I kind of agree with the you set the market type of thing. But if you're that far apart, like you kind of have to be the same caliber of player if you're going to set the market, right? Like, right. It, it, uh, Shaq Leonard has forced 10 times the turnovers as Roquan Smith has in the same number of years in the league. So turnovers right now in the NFL are the most important aspect of defense because just with the way the rules are, you, you can't be the monsters of the midway anymore. You can't just shut teams down. You've got to get turnovers. you got to take the ball away. And Leonard yeah. does that, and Smith so far really hasn't. So Yeah, Roquan's strength is is tackles and he's pr- he's pretty solid up there in tackles for loss. Um but not so you know very mediocre when it comes to sacks. Uh and then like you said the turnover quotient uh you know forced fumbles and interceptions he's not there. Yeah, I mean really good player. I still want the Bears to extend him. Of course. I, I think they will still extend him because I think the reason this holdout broke is because they told him, we're not trading you, we're not giving you that contract. If you don't show up to play, we're just not going to pay you. Yeah. And he didn't want to lose the $10 million. And by the way, we can also franchise tag you next year. Yeah. And the year after that if we really wanted to. So yeah. I think they told him that the only real path you have here is to go out there and 
show us you're worth that money and then we'll give you the contract you want or come back to the table and we can negotiate a more reasonable contract that reflects the type of player you are in comparison to your peers. So, well, in, in uh, Biggs, Brad Biggs' um, Q&A the last few weeks uh, while this has been going on, he's consistently said one thing. The Bears have all the leverage. Yeah. And that's the, that's the bottom line, right? Again, we've, you and I have talked about it. It's, this wasn't a situation where they were trying to get him to sign to come back. He was already under contract. Right. So um, you're not holding any of the straws here. Not to mention that we are going to pay you almost $10 million for this year, and we're pretty sure you don't want to lose $10 million. Exactly. And like the Bears could control his rights for another year if they, if they want to via the franchise tag. So I wouldn't be surprised if the two parties come back together at some point and get a long-term extension done because if you're Smith, he's taking a lot of risk right now because he's making $10 million. That's a lot of money, but... If he signed on the dotted line, he could probably guarantee himself, what, $60 million yeah. for an NFL contract? Yep. If he goes out there this year and gets hurt, yeah, you get your $10 million for this year. But if you're not the same player, you're not getting that $60 million. So. Well, DBB, the Bears blog, he said that that deal that Poles had for him was $100 million. Okay. And but that's not all guaranteed. Not all guaranteed. You know, Leonard didn't get a hundred million guaranteed. None of none of them do. Like, yeah, yeah. So the only players that get that are quarterback and elite receivers and elite pass rushers. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing is is that the, that is the guys that get that right or elite uh, elite left tackle. Yeah, you know, but um, but I mean, he had a big fat deal in front of him, so. A little bit, you know, I was a little bit uh, curmudgeon about, you know, I understand you want to have the biggest deal. Um, When you have a pretty huge deal in front of you, I'm kind of the bird in hand guy. It's like, it was just like you were saying, you know, he could have sat right there and signed and probably... I bet his signing bonus was at least thirty million guaranteed, yeah. right? And like you were saying, maybe more like fifty total guaranteed. I, right? I, I get it in baseball where your chances of having a career-ending injury are a lot smaller. A lot smaller. Like football, if, if he gets rolled up on the wrong way, and obviously I hope this doesn't happen, but he could cost himself a ton of money if he gets hurt this year, or if he just doesn't go out and play well. Right? Like he could. You know, be looking at a situation where he's signing a one-year deal with somebody next year, and then who knows how your career progresses from there. So, I, I, I mean, if he wants to bet on himself, then by all means, more power to him. I don't think it's a great bet. I, I think that you take the big contract now, and then you remove yourself from the franchise tag, and you kind of have that security, and then you maybe try to get a third contract somewhere. I don't know. He's obviously... I don't know that he's getting the best advice here. And I think overall, just good job by Ryan Poles. I was angry at the start of all this because I I didn't understand why it lingered into camp. I think now we understand that Roquan was demanding a contract that he just wasn't going to get. And I think Poles basically said, hey, 
we're not trading you. You've got to show up and play. Otherwise, we're not paying you, and we also control your rights next right. year. So right. pretty cut-and-dry situation. I think good job by Ryan Poles, and we'll see if, what Roquan Smith does. Is he going to show up and actually try to earn that big payday that he's asking for, or is it going to be more of an Allen Robinson situation where he's kind of sleepwalking out there for half the year? I, I, uh, I guess he... Um the other day at practice, he came out and like the very first place shot the gap yeah. and, uh, and made a big tackle on Montgomery in the, in the backfield. Um, you know, I, I actually, uh, I'm going towards Rokon with, uh, on this one. I think he is going to come out. He's going to be playing a hundred, uh, a hundred miles an hour. Uh, he's going to be out there busting his ass, trying to make himself look good. At least I hope that's. I hope we don't go through another thing uh, like we did with Robinson because I lost a lot of respect for that guy. I really did. It's um, from from the way he treated that whole situation. It's it's a lot tougher to do that on defense when you when you're a receiver. You know, it's you're kind of out on an island, and obviously your coaches and your teammates see it. But if the ball's not going to you, chances are you're not on the TV screen and you're not really. Watching whether or not a guy's finishing his routes, or right? Getting off the line as quickly as he should, but on defense, you kind of have to go 100. percent It's mm-hmm. especially at that position. At right? that where, position, yeah, where, it's key. Yeah, we, and and in this defense, which is all about going 100, percent right? So and and like you were saying with Robinson, there was also extenuating circumstances. We're, I'm not going to put it all on him. I, I do believe that Nagy probably was phasing him out. Was probably not working him into the plan. I do believe that he probably had chemistry issues with Justin Fields. Whatever, right? But like you said, the Roquan situation is all eyes are going to be focused on him. With the naggy thing, just talk about like cutting off your nose to spite your face. <laughs> like, you know what I'm going to do? I've got a, a Pro Bowl wide receiver on my team in a year that if I don't score points, I'm going to get fired. And what I'm going to do is drop an offense so that we don't ever throw him the ball whatsoever. Like That'll show him. <laughs> right. You know, I, who knows, but... Um, you know, I, I think, and here's the other thing too, like Eberflus and Poles, they don't have any loyalty to Smith. No. Nope. If, if he's not given a hundred percent, he's going to, you know, he's, he's going to fall out of favor and I, I think it'll be a non-issue. I think Roquan is, is going to be motivated. Like you said, I think he's going to go out there and try to earn that contract he asked for. And if he's motivated to do that, then maybe he'll, you know, I, I hope he does. I hope that we're looking at each other four months from now and saying, you know what? We got to sign that guy to that Shaq Leonard contract because he is thriving in this defense and he's one of the players we're going to be building around for the next five, six years. Okay, so uh, the other day on on Twitter, um, uh, Eberflus was asked about Roquan uh, and Larry Mayer from ChicagoBears.com tweeted, uh, retweeted out what Eberflus said and said, uh, Eberflus said, he's one of our best players about Roquan Smith. Agreed. Well, Olin Kurtz, (laughs) (laughs) he framed that and he said, he's our best player, dot, dot, dot. I fixed it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. So... But the thing was, is I was looking at that, and I was saying, to, I was, I was thinking to myself, is he though? Is he really our best player? Now, because the thing is, is that um, he is—he definitely had—he's definitely shown 
He has the most accolades right now uh, in history to show that he's the, he's the best player, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm certainly hoping he's not the best player because I'm certainly hoping that number one is the best player on the team. Yeah. And I don't see us winning any championships because of Roquan Smith. Now, number one, yeah. <laughs> we could win some championships well, from. Yeah, I mean, it was, so Roquan right now, is he's got to be the highest drafted player on the roster, right? Like, Yeah. I would think so. Yeah, like, no, he, I think he was eight. Yeah, no one else is coming to mind. And, you know, you know uh, Fields was... 10. Yeah, and, and you're spot on there. It's like all those years where the Bears' best player was Kyle Long. Exactly. Like, it, it, it's great to have a really good offensive guard, but when your best player on the team is an offensive guard, your team's probably not very good. Right. So same thing with Roquan here. I mean, Will Linebacker, which is, I think, where he's going to play, yep. is a really important position in this defense, but that's not a position where you win the Super Bowl because you have that guy. Like, you certainly... It certainly helps if you have a really good player there, but sure. it's not a quarterback, it's not a receiver, it's not a tackle, it's not a pass rusher, it's not a cornerback. So right. it's a, a less important position in the modern NFL. Like 40 years ago, absolutely, you want to build your team around that linebacker. But right now, it's more of a luxury than a necessity, I guess. I mean, you still need good linebackers. If your linebackers are terrible, your defense is not going to get off the field ever, but yeah, I, I agree with you that hopefully at the end of this year we're not looking around and saying still that we're got a roster where Roquan is clearly the best player. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. if, if that's the case, then some, we're in deep doo doo. Well, then something went wrong on the offense. Yeah, right? and, um, we're, we're we're sitting in a big pile of bear scat. And by the way, the Bears probably won like two games, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so I mean, because you know, what would you say? is plus or minus on how many games you win uh, with or without Roquan Smith. Oh, I don't think it moves the betting line at all. I don't think it does either. No. I mean, I don't think you get a, I don't think you get any positives out of it. I don't think uh, they, you know, they change us from six to six to seven because Roquan staying with the team. Oh, no, I looked at it just like an hour before recording this podcast, it's still at six. <laughs> so, I mean, no, in, in that case, linebackers don't really move the needle there at all. Right. You know, and, and so that's the, you know, I just, uh, anyway, I just thought this was an interesting exchange. And then uh, one of the uh, people in the group there commented, well, how would you have felt as an active player if Lovey came out and specifically said, you know, such and such, such and such was the best player. Someone, How would you have felt about that? Someone tweeted tweeted that at Cruz. Yeah, at Cruz, right? Yeah. And Cruz said, "If it was Locke, I would have felt like he was right." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's an interesting spin, right? Because we were just saying, I don't think that Roquan, you know, changes that changes that arrow, that win arrow, yeah. right? But. I also don't think that Roquan is Brian Erlocker either. No. I don't think he has nearly the impact that Erlocker did. No, I agree with that. Um, Brian Erlocker, I think pretty early on, at least halfway through his career, most people were looking at that guy and saying, yeah, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Well, and, yeah, and he was a unicorn. He, he, he was a unicorn. Like, there has not been, like, there hasn't been a player. There was not a player that could do what he did before him, right? And there hasn't been a player that can do that since, right? Like, there's been players that have tried and have been really good, but 
Erlacher in his prime, he was a safety and a linebacker at, at the same time. Like it's kind of a it's it's kind of a common misconception, I guess, that the Tampa two defense is built around your middle linebacker. It's not like no. those defenses were because they had such a special player playing middle linebacker. But if you go back and look at like the Tampa Bay with uh, Derek Brooks and yeah. with Warren Sapp, they didn't have a great middle linebacker. Everything got funneled to Derek Brooks. Now the Bears had Erlacher and Briggs, who Erlacher first ballot Hall of Famer, Briggs kind of a borderline Hall of Famer, but still a really borderline. really great player. But Erlacher just took away so much of the field in pass coverage, and then could also speed and size. Yeah, and as soon as as soon as he diagnosed that it was a run or a screen, could get up to the line. You just don't see players that can do what he did ever, like literally ever. Like he's the best one to ever play the position that way. Yeah. So yeah, Roquan, when when he got drafted, a lot of the draft. Uh, grades on him talked about how great Roquan was in pass coverage, which has turned out to not really be true, but <laughs> we'll put that aside. And I remember a lot of people saying, well, that could be the next Erlacher. And I'm like, no, no, like, I mean, no, it's, it, 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 it was quite literally a one of a kind player. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll see another player that can play at that level again, but I, of course, you know, but it, it hasn't happened since Erlacher retired and, it's also a different game now, too. I mean, you know, linebackers was more important when Erlacher played in the late, you know, 2000s, early 2010s. Because and you got to remember, um, Erlacher uh, at New Mexico, you know, he was kind of this, he was a, a safety slash linebacker. Yeah. And, you know, when they brought him, uh, there was a lot of teams out there that were shied away from him because they thought, oh, well, you know, he can't be, he can't be big enough. He can't be fast enough at the same time. But it was like that was one of the things that made him so unique was that he was six foot four, two hundred fifty five pounds, and he ran like a safety. And the Bears, the Bears didn't know how to play him. Dick Duran wanted to play him, I think, at defen- <laughs> defensive end. Like, he, 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 he. They looked at him at end. They also looked at him as offset linebacker. Mm-hmm. That was originally his spot. He wasn't going to be in the middle. Exactly. Like that's just not how you draw up that defense. That's why those defenses were so great. Because you had a player that could do that. And yeah. It took the Bears defense, which had a lot of really good players on it. You know, what do you talk about? Harris or uh, Tommy Harris or Peanut or Briggs or Peppers or whatever area you want. But they always had Erlacher in the middle there that just added so much to that defense compared to even what it looks like when it is drawn up at its best just because he was just such a unique player. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that. You know, would Erlacher be the same player in this league? I don't know. I tend to think so. Like when he played, that was I think so. That was before you had these just insane athletes playing tight end that just completely try, like they completely break down what a pass defense is trying to do. But right. I mean, Kyle Pitts and Travis Kelsey, yeah, Kelsey Kittle. Rock. But Bears could have had Kittle, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but Erlacher. Yeah, he he could play in this. He could play in this league. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he. I mean, that. Uh, so anyway, that was just for fun, fans. You know, I just I thought that was an interesting exchange on there because you know, Kurtz is Kurtz is right in that 
you know, Smith is it does have the most accolades for any of the players on the current team. Of course, almost the entire team is brand new. But, <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of good players on the team. But mentioning him in the same thre- mentioning him in the same thread as Erlocker, I just thought was kind of disjointed. No. Yeah, I mean, like, and Erlocker in his time was playing at the same time as Ray Lewis. Who, yeah. Lewis got a lot of credit for being the best linebacker in football, but they were effectively playing two different positions. Like, right. Lewis was getting up to the line and just kind of, you know, just kind of getting in there and creating havoc and breaking up run plays and laying people out over the middle. Like, that's not necessarily, like, you don't remember Erlacher like, just, like, knocking too many guys in the next week. Like, he had some big hits, but for the most part, he was just really, really solid technical football player and just took away two receivers in pass coverage at the same time. He, he, they were both, you know what, they were both great. Uh, like, uh, like you were just saying, they were both unique yeah. and, you know, upper echelon players. They were elite players. Um, you know, we're always going to look at Erlocker as being the best of his era. And, you know, there's other people that look at Lewis and say he's the best of the era no matter how you slice it, they were both unbelievable players. Yeah, both first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah, both first ballot Hall of Famers. So, um, okay, wait. So let's spin back real quick and talk about Tevin Jenkins again because I don't think you got to finish. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I was just saying, like, kind of like, what are you getting? What are you getting for him? I mean, even if if all the reports are true and you've been trying to trade him for a month, not a second for sure. No, and probably, a fourth, maybe. I doubt it. I, I would bet fifth or a sixth like yeah that's there's no reason to get rid of him for that i don't think so unless unless the unless polls just thinks he's awful and he just can't play at all because like even if he could be decent he's better than the alternative this year right so like if he goes out and has a, a halfway decent year at right guard and you just let him walk next year you trade him or whatever like what's what's the alternative if, if you just trade him and don't get any thing back. I mean, you're starting, I guess when Patrick comes back, you're starting Mustafer at guard or you're starting one of the rookies at guard that you drafted. Well, you're doing Schoenfeld. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so, uh, quickly, I, one of the things that um, I was reading an interview with Jenkins, and you and I talked about this, and I think that this is close to the truth, and that is that he did not take getting moved out of tackle well at all. Yeah. I think that um, uh, the fact that Braxton Jones came in and showed that, yep, I've been playing left tackle. Mind mind you, yes, it was for a small school. But that's what he has experience doing. And uh, his arms are like eight feet longer (laughs) than Devin Jenkins. Um, I, I think that that disrupted, you know, Maybe this is where some of that immaturity is. I do think that there might be a real problem there. But um, he, when I was reading this interview with him, he was being very conservative and choice and terse in his words and saying uh, things like, well, you know, this is where the coaches want me to play now. I think that if he can get a little bit more juice going at that spot and this positive information now, this week has been flowing around about him. Yeah. I think that he'll settle in and he'll he'll be like, okay, you know what? 
this is my spot to excel then. And if I excel here, I'm still excelling. But, I mean, that's that's just, you know, uh, that's an obtuse way to look at it, I suppose. But anyway, that's kind of the way I see it. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be on his best behavior, right? I mean, like, if he came out and was just trashing the coaching staff, like, nobody would want him. Right. And if the Bears don't want him, which apparently they don't, then he's got to be looking to catch on somewhere else. And I don't know what he's making as a second-round pick. I would assume it's more than if the Bears just cut him and then he had to sign a minimum contract somewhere else. He's making a pretty good chunk of change. So, like, he's inclined to at least show up to work and uh, have a good attitude for the Bears as long as they'll let him into the building, I guess. I mean, I, I, I would just I would be really interested to know, and maybe we'll find out, just what they see in him that they just don't think there's any way that he can be a contributor. Like, is it something with the talent? Is it something with the attitude? Is it something with the fit for the scheme? Is it a combination of all three? Because if 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 you're talking about shipping out a second-round pick, and I understand that it wasn't Pohl's second-round pick, but still a second-round pick one year, one year ago. Like, if you're talking about getting rid of him for a day-three draft pick one year later, I mean, that's a lot of value lost for your organization, even though it's not necessarily your name on it. So I am interested to see if he gets a lot of run against Cleveland on Saturday. And I think he does. And from there, like that's kind of the final showcase. I don't really think anybody would trade for him in season. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I think, I think that, uh, that group is, um, is Jones, uh, white hair, um, Mustafer, uh, Jenkins, and Barham. I, I think that's who we see play them uh, that first half. Um, it really sounds like out of camp that Jenkins has solidified that that spot is his to lose. That's the way it sounds to me. Jenkins? Yeah. Okay. And, but, um, and you know, maybe Schefter is, uh, you know, what he's hearing is still left over from, say, last week, yeah. right? Because it literally could be. Or it could just be the Bears have said, hey, we're not trading him for less than a third-round pick, and if you want to do that, call us, and nobody's calling. Like, right. If that's what they're doing, they're still technically looking to trade him. Right. If there's no market, yeah. you know, who knows? Well, regardless, um, I, I would, I, I'm with you. I would certainly rather see him playing for us. Um, it, he, you know, by all accounts, he's doing pretty well at the spot he's at. Um, it would be great to see him solidify a spot because we could certainly use him and and his youth, right? And like you said, uh, not losing a, a a second round pick from last year, who we traded up to get, of course. Um, so you know, <laughs> yeah, of course. So and you know, polls has so far seemed pretty astute when it comes to. Um, I'm getting something for this, otherwise I'm not doing it. Right. He he. He and Pace seem like they're as different as day and night when it comes to that. Yeah. So, um, which makes me a happy guy. So, uh, but um, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we'll get to watch uh, the Cleveland game. I just want to, you know, I, I think I just want to see him. I want to see him come out and score, especially on the first drive, if absolutely, if if possible. I want to see um, some nice consistency on the ball uh, from both sides and everybody just come out uh, healthy. Yeah, the offense will be interesting. I mean, like last week we talked about the weird schedule. I don't really know how much practice time they got with the short week and having to go to Seattle. So 
they've had a full week of practice now. I think that's probably why the starters are playing a little bit more is because they just didn't want the starters out there on four days rest in the preseason. Right. So, yeah, it would be good. I don't know. I haven't heard yet what Cleveland's planning to do. So if it's their backups against their starters, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But it would be good just to get some more positive vibes going into week one and just most importantly, nobody get hurt. (laughs) Okay, uh, so uh, that's it for this week, Bears fans. Uh, make sure to uh, 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 write us some questions uh, on uh, on Twitter if you uh, want us to answer anything on the show. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bear down. All right, bear down.